today we are starting a new series in the book of James. And uh, as I'm sure you'll know, James is a very short book at the end of the New Testament. It's just five chapters, 108 verses, and most likely written by Jesus' half-brother, who actually didn't even become a Christian until Jesus revealed himself to him after the resurrection. And this letter that we've decided to follow over these next few weeks is jam-packed with practical advice for people in a crisis. And it's a great example of how we as Christians can apply the teaching of Jesus in our everyday lives. We've decided to call this series The Grit and the Glory of Faith, because that's what the book of James is. It's gritty and it's glorious. And it really, really gets to the nuts and bolts of life. And that's what we're going to do over these next few weeks. We're going to be looking how faith makes a difference in our relationships, with our finances, the way we use our words, and in our attitudes. So this is week one, and we're starting in James chapter one. So if you have a Bible, why don't you just turn to it? James one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want to talk to you today about having faith to cope in a crisis. There was a lady who owned a beautiful parrot, and one day she decided that she needed to clean out the parrot's cage And so she got her vacuum cleaner, she opened the cage, and she put carefully the hose of the vacuum cleaner into the cage. And after a few seconds, the phone rang, and as she turned away, she heard this sound. And she suddenly realized what she'd done, that she'd sucked up the parrot into the vacuum cleaner. So she opened the vacuum cleaner, she grabbed the parrot, she put the parrot under the cold tap to wash all the dust and all the grit off of the parrot. And then the parrot was looking terrible, so she thought, I know what I'll do. I'll get my hair dryer and I'll blow dry the parrot. 
So she turned on her hairdryer and she starts blowing the parrot. Didn't really look like it was coming back to life. So she thought she'd get some of her lipstick and she put some of her lipstick on the parrot. And finally, it sort of came back to its senses and she put the parrot back in the cage on its perch and she closed the door. Can you just imagine for a moment how that parrot felt? One minute, the parrot was sitting pretty on its perch. The next moment, it had been sucked up, washed out, and blown over. It's a silly and trivial little story. But I think for many of us, that's how we feel during this time of COVID crisis. This crisis started quicker and has lasted longer than all of us were expecting. And this is exactly how the people in this passage that James is writing to, that's how they're feeling. James writes this letter to an early church community that were in crisis and pain. The crisis that the people that James was writing to was not a pandemic, but it was persecution. It says that they were scattered, facing poverty and hardship. They'd lost their homes Their livelihoods, even their very lives, were under threat because of their faith. They were facing trials of many, many kinds. And maybe that's how you're feeling today in this COVID crisis. You feel like you're under pressure in so many different ways. Maybe it's had an impact on your health or your work or your relationship in some way with your family, your friends, Maybe you've been experiencing acute loneliness or hardship during this time. The truth is we're all facing trials of many kinds. They are multifaceted and they're inevitable. In some ways we can take comfort from the fact that Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. None of us are immune or exempt or insulated from troubles in life. I heard someone speak recently about five different storms that the world is experiencing. First, there's the pandemic. We're in a health storm. Second, the political storm. Third, there's racial inequality. Fourth, economic uncertainty. And fifth, social instability. But Jesus follows his own words by saying, Take heart, I have overcome the world. It can be so tempting during this time to think, how's the church going to respond? How's the church going to survive this crisis? But the reality is this is not going to kill the church. The church has been through so much more than this. But we do have to recognize that things are broken This world is broken. Our weather is broken. The economy, our minds, our bodies, our relationships are broken. But the only thing that's not broken is the Word of God. The Word of God is unchanging. It stands firm forever, forever. And that's why Jesus came. That's why we can have faith and confidence in Him. Because he promises to make all things new. And that's why James, I think, in this letter, he's urging his listeners, first and foremost, to get the right 
perspective. Right there at the start in verse 2, he says, consider. Take time to consider. Think about. You see, how you think about your trials will shape how you respond to them. It can be tempting to see Jesus through the lens of our problems. But it's transforming when we see our problems through the lens of Jesus. And we need an eternal perspective. This passage goes on to say that we're just like flowers that wither and fall. They come and they go. And the clearer our perspective on Jesus, the clearer our perspective of eternity, the more stable and strong our faith will be. Faith that can cope in a crisis. But how? How does that faith develop? How does it get stronger? What can we learn from this passage? The first thing is that we can choose joy. Verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That verse in itself often just stops me in my tracks. I find that verse so, so challenging. And I'm not sure I'm very good at this at all. In fact, as I've been preparing this sermon over the weekend, I told Emily and the boys a little bit of what I was wanting to speak on. And every time I was feeling a little bit down or a little bit frustrated about something, they said to me, Dad, choose joy. But it's so hard, isn't it? Whenever I think of pure joy, I think of good things. I think of the day my four boys were born. I think of the moment Emily said yes to being my wife. I think of the day that I passed my driving test, that sense of great freedom. I think of great holidays. I think of when Man United won the treble. For those of you that can remember, 1999, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scoring the goal in stoppage time. You see, you normally associate pure joy with good things, good events, not difficult ones. This is so countercultural. In fact, it feels counterintuitive. So why choose joy? We choose joy because ultimately God can use our struggles, our trials, and our sufferings. Whatever you're facing, however hard it might seem during this time, these times are an opportunity for us to grow, to grow stronger in our faith. Our stress and our struggle can add value to our lives. As has been said, every storm is a school. Every trial is a test. Every experience is an education. And every difficulty is for your development. James says that these things can be productive. You see, the devil would want to use this time to defeat you. But Jesus wants to use this time to develop you, to build your faith. And our faith grows as it's tested. It's like a muscle. The more we use it, the more it grows and is strengthened. And James here says that the testing of our faith, it produces perseverance and it produces character. In terms of discipleship, 
in addition to reading the Bible, in addition to prayer, mentoring, going to courses. One of the things that can strengthen us as disciples of Jesus the most, perhaps, is to embrace our struggles. We're formed in the furnace. Verse 4 says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We all want a life that is mature and complete, but perhaps we don't want quite so much the trials and the struggles. But you see, the word testing here, it's actually the term used for refining metals like silver and gold. When the refiner is taking that metal, he puts it under intense heat and that heat burns off all the impurities and you're left at the end with pure gold. Of course, the danger with any kind of verse like this, choose joy, maybe it can feel a little bit like, oh, it's just positive mental attitude. Or maybe at its worst, masochistic. But choosing joy isn't about denying reality, certainly not denying the reality of what's happening in our world at this time. In the gospel we read, and I find this so comforting, that Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. He was lost for words in his moment of grief. He was real about his struggles in the depth of his suffering. He showed authenticity. But joy is so much deeper than happiness. Joy is a choice. It's an act of the will. Before we started our live stream today, somebody read out Psalm 34, where David says, I will praise the Lord. It's an act of our will to praise him, to focus on him. And our circumstances are so much harder to view in and of themselves. But we know that when we view them through Jesus, we know that he wants to turn them for our good. Romans 28, 28 says, God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. We think of Job in the Old Testament. We think of the story of Joseph sold into slavery. But he says, what was meant for harm God will use for good. These things that seem like they can harm us, actually God wants to use them for our good. So that's the first thing, we choose joy. The second thing we see in this passage to help us cope in a crisis is that we can ask God for help. Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. During this time of crisis, we need to pray. Particularly, we need to pray for wisdom. I've heard so many people over these last few months talking about the pandemic. Uh, Even recently, Emily and I, we've been talking and chatting together about a book that we've been looking at by N.T. Wright, the theologian, called God and the Pandemic. And, you know, it gives some explanation and I've heard some people talk, and there was one, one interview I saw, and somebody asked them, you know, what is God doing during this time? And the person said, I'm going to summarize my answer in three words. I don't know. 
We don't really know what God is doing at this time. We don't really know what the future is going to look like. But God promises to give wisdom generously when we ask him. Wisdom to learn from this whole time, to learn from our troubles and our stress in this time. And also wisdom to know what to do. We're not on our own when he promises his wisdom to us. I remember one time, Emily and I, a few years ago now, we were just particularly in a stressful time. And we were living in Oxford, and I just actually finished my time at Bible College. And coming towards the end of my course of training, everybody else had secured their curacy, their church placement, their job after training. And we'd looked at lots of different places all over the country. We'd visited brilliant leaders, brilliant churches with brilliant teams and brilliant visions. And yet none of them felt like quite the right thing for us. We just didn't sense God calling us or the sense of the Holy Spirit leading us. And time was running out. My ordination date at St. Paul's Cathedral came and went. And we were just trying to tie everything up at the time. We had to tie up schools with jobs, with houses. And to be honest, it was quite stressful. It was certainly having quite a stress and a strain on our relationship as a couple. There were people just saying to us at the time, look, just take a job. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, these were Christian leaders. It doesn't matter if you don't sense God calling you. Just, just take anything. But we just needed that sense of God's peace and calling in that moment. And I remember that Emily and I were, were praying a little bit. And it was one night as we went to bed, Emily said that as her head hit the pillow, this verse that we're looking at today came into her mind. James 1, verse 3. For the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work. And if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. And we can remember that immense moment of comfort that we received from that word. It wasn't like in that moment we had all the answers But this verse that God had given us, it was like part of the solution. A little bit like a crossword puzzle. As one part was revealed, it was like we could move a little bit further forward in finding the right direction. And now we look back and actually over that time we've seen how faithful God has been. He answered our prayers. He did open up doors. He showed us the right way to go. So much so that actually we look back on that time now and we almost think, oh, maybe it wasn't so hard. You see, every time those things happen in our lives, we grow stronger. We learn to stand more firmly on the faithfulness of God. It gives us confidence as we go into new situations. So building faith to cope in a crisis, we choose joy. We ask God for help. And thirdly and finally, we decide now not to quit. We refuse to give up. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. What James is saying here, technically, theologically, is 
Hang in there. Don't give up. Keep believing. Keep trusting. And I know that this has been such a tough time. I know it's a tough time for everyone. For me, I was saying to Emily this morning, oh, just feel with all this COVID stuff, just slightly flatlining, the monotony of life. But the strain that it's having on people's mental health, having to work from home, online learning with our children. But like Sir Winston Churchill famously said to his beloved Harrow School in that assembly story where he stood up and they were expecting a long rhetorical speech. He said, never give up, never give up, never give up. I'm sure that story has been slightly stretched over the years, but you get the point. I'm not much of a um, long distance runner, but over these last months, I have been able to run a little bit further as I've run a, a bit more over the weeks and months. And I can safely say that during my runs, there are moments when everything is screaming in me to stop and to give up. But I can honestly say every time I get to the end, I'm so pleased that I didn't give up. I'm so pleased that I kept going. That promised drink at the end, that promise rest at the end. Last year, uh, just before we started in this role at St. Mark's, uh, Emily and I were privileged enough to have a little sabbatical time and just over those three months. And one of the things that I wanted to do was something called an XCC. And XCC stands for Extreme Character Challenge. And uh, it's an organization that's run by a friend of ours. And it's basically sort of hill walking and wild camping. Um, we, for the one that I went to, it was in, in Wales in the Brecon Beacons. And to be honest, it's probably one of the hardest and most challenging things that I've ever done. It's testing physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Before I did it, I'd heard about one person who'd done it. And when they were on the mountain, they said that they wanted to break their own leg so that they could get helicopter flown off of the mountain. And I must admit, I was going into it with some intrepidation. And it was true. It was tough. It was hard. And on the penultimate day, as we were sort of walking this one hill, it was such a struggle. I was tired. Uh, I hadn't eaten very much. I hadn't had much sleep. My feet were soaking wet. The pack on my back was just heavy and it was rubbing and it was just uncomfortable and painful. And as I was going up this sort of, I guess it's a hill, mountain in Wales, not quite sure how you classify those, but it was steep. And as I was getting towards the end, I thought, I'm not sure I can carry on anymore. This is just too much of a struggle. And as I came over the brow of the hill... I saw that the team who were leading this character challenge, they had erected this huge wooden cross. And there were people round the cross singing and worshipping. And in that moment, I just had this sense of encouragement and this reminder that actually that's the promise that waits for each one of us. And that's the promise that James is referring to here in this, in this passage. The crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
who keep going, who keep persevering. And that's what Jesus has won for each one of us on the cross. Jesus is our ultimate and great example. It says in Hebrews, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In suffering and in struggle, in trial and temptation, in crisis and in grief, Jesus modeled what it looks like to do these things, to choose joy, to cry out to God, his Father, for help, and to not give up, to never give in for our sake. Knowing Jesus, particularly going through tough times, has made such a difference in my life. Other than the pandemic that we're currently in, perhaps one of the biggest tests I think that um, I've ever had to face and we've ever had to face as a family was eight years ago, 2013. I remember it so vividly where my brother-in-law who was suffering from clinical depression decided to take his own life and none of us knew at the time. And that was a family crisis like no other. It was completely devastating. It was like a bomb that went off under our family. And of course, we're, to be honest, still experiencing the aftershocks of that. I don't think there's a day goes by, certainly not a week that goes by without me thinking about Andrew and my sister and his and her four sons. No, but even in grief, even in suffering, the lack of answers and our seemingly unending questions. It's been our faith in Jesus that has upheld us. I'm so proud, particularly of my, my sister, my mum and dad, who've continued, though they've been buffeted through those trials, their faith has held them strong. In one sense, we might never get over that test. But I know that we can Get through it day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, trusting in God as we choose joy, as we ask God for his wisdom and his help, and deciding not to give up, not to quit. That's what each one of us, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we put our faith in him, can experience. That's what James teaches us in this passage, that we're to consider it joy whenever we face trials of many kinds, knowing that we can trust in him and follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a moment just to pray together before we worship. Father, You know that these are difficult and challenging times for each one of us in different ways. We're all facing many kinds of trials. But we thank you that you are using this time to build our faith, to strengthen us. And we ask God that that faith would rise up right now. The gift of faith 
for those that don't yet know you and those that have been walking with you for a long time, that you would give us a fresh sense of your love, purpose, and expectation. In your name we pray. Amen.